Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv slash stem cell. I'm very happy to have uh, Jim around. And uh, when we were discussing about what kind of uh, seminars that we should have, uh, we thought that uh, it's time for the a heavy bioengineer to come and, 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 and talk about the interface or the interplay between stem cells and and, and, and bioengineer. So, um, and I had Jim in my lab. I said, I mean, he's the perfect guy for that. And um, he's been showing us what, what, uh, what he can do in, in Korea and uh, in the lab. And I was said, oh my gosh, I need to share this with the world. So what you're going to about to learn is really fascinating. I'm sure um, you're going to enjoy a lot. So uh, Jim is a co-founder and, and CTO of uh, TNR Biofab. It's a company uh, in South Korea. Uh, he's also associated professor of the Department of Mechanical Engineer in Tech University of Korea. So Jim is not um, uh, your traditional stem cell biologist. He actually um, have a BS in Mechanical Engineering uh, from uh, the Pusan National University, again in South Korea, and he did his PhD at uh, Postac. Um, also in South Korea. So that PhD was also in, in mechanical engineering with a thesis regarding the a rapid prototype for two-dimensional cell printing system and its application to regeneration of heterogeneous tissue. So that thesis is basically um, what he uh, took to do it on, on, on his company and he's moving on um, to more and more complex tissues, more and more situations where he can have uh, a high impact on on medicine, on uh, regenerative medicine. So we're going to hear like some examples of how we can translate uh, these uh, fast-paced um, technology uh, to hospitals uh, in South Korea uh, and, and, and more and more around the world. And uh, the numbers are fascinating because he's not, I mean, I'm using to hear uh, cases of one or two patients. He's talking about thousands of patients that already receive um, this kind of a technology. So it's a uh, very clinically oriented, and we have lots of uh, clinical data to support uh, the, not only feasibility, but the efficacy of uh, 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 his tools and technology. So you might ask, I mean, um, why he is here doing like a sabbatical in my lab? So that's the funny story. Uh, one of my first postdocs, who is a bioengineer, um, I, I, I started my lab with a bioengineer uh, guy, uh, Paulo Marinho. Uh, so he finished the postdoc here with me. And then uh, he moved on, uh, on, on on the industry side. That was always what he wanted to do. And he ended up working for Jim in South Korea. And at one point, I mean, we were just discussing and I'm asking like, well, yeah, can you update me what you're doing? Because he's always on, on the engineer side, bioprinting, things like that. I said, you know, I'm working with this guy. It's fascinating uh, the kind of technology that we have. And I haven't seen that anywhere else. Uh, even in U.S., so we we you, you need to know him. So uh, I mean, he he was able to uh, bring Jim here to um, uh, to U.S. and 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 we visit. We connected right away, and uh, we said, okay. I think his original plan was to go to UCLA. I convinced him to come to San Diego um, to stay with us, and uh, so Jim is learning more about the brain and interface of. Uh, um, microfluidic chambers to, that we use for, to grow brain organoids, things like that. So he's involved already in several projects in the lab, um, and we're having so much fun here. So um, with no further ado, I'll, I'll, uh, please welcome um, Ji Hong Shin. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. A very kind introduction. Uh, my name is Junhyung Shim, and I'd like to talk about uh, the 3D printing technology and biomaterial for the tissue engineering and regenerative medicine. Thank you very much for having me here. Uh, I hope you enjoy the, my presentation. So part one of my presentation is an introduction to myself and my research background and company and university that I work for. Uh, I was born and raised in Korea. My major, as uh, Arison explained, is uh, mechanical engineering for my undergraduate to the PhD. Right after getting my PhD degree, I founded a startup company named Tiana Biofab, which commercialized 3D printing technology for the regenerative medicine. And I'm also associate professor at Tech University of Korea. I recently joined the Motori Lab uh, as a visiting scholar because I'm a uh, sub-archer. Uh, let me briefly introduce the university that I work for. The Tech University uh, of Korea was founded by the Ministry of Industry of Korean government in 1998. The number of students is uh, 7,500, which is a small and middle-sized and engineering-oriented university compared to other universities in Korea. And our school is uh, located in the middle of the industry complex, where the almost 13,000 uh, manufacturing-oriented companies get together. So great thing about our university is that uh, there are many opportunities uh, for the industry-oriented project. So students can also get many opportunities to learn the practical skills while internship at nearby companies. So as you can see in the bottom, the, this is the university located in the middle of the industry park, and which is the largest industry park in Korea. Uh, for the sake of the audience who are not familiar to the Korea, uh, Korea is, we are here in San Diego. Uh, Korea is 17 hours uh, ahead of here in California. Korea starts the day earlier than any other country in the world. So the time in Korea is now almost 3 a.m. Uh, of tomorrow, 9th uh, 9th of the December. So uh, I just compared uh, Korea to the California. So California has a four times uh, larger land area than Korea. And the population of the California is uh, almost 40 million. And Korea has a 15 million. Uh, especially nearly half of the 15 million of Korean uh, are living in the Seoul metropolitan area. So therefore, you can easily guess how Korea is crowded, right? So the people uh, in Korea are busy, uh, always busy, and with heavy traffic around the city, and they study and work hard because uh, the comparative environment, in comparative life, is uh, all, uh, all field of their life. Some people think that is a driving force of the Korean Korea's growth. However, I feel sometimes too much. That's why. I'm here in San Diego. I, oh, how I can love the San Diego here, right? So less 
compar uh, less comparative, less crowded. So I love this uh, San Diego. So let's go back to the work. Uh, I'd like to uh, talk about the tissue engineering today. So everybody knows they here may know the tissue engineering is. The tissue engineering is an interdisciplinary field that applies the principle of the engineering and science, uh, life science. So the ultimate goal of the tissue engineering is a tissue organ regeneration. So uh, especially I'd like to focus on the how to make a three-dimensional scaffold using 3D printing. So uh, main three components of the tissue engineering is your cell, scaffold, and growth factors. So as a mechanical engineer, uh, I have a perspective and a viewpoint of the looking at the tissue engineering as a similar to the building a skyscraper in architecture. I think the main actor of the organ and skyscrapers are cells and human respectively. And things that make the main actor form three-dimensional shape are the extracellular matrix and these materials like a steel beam, steel river, concrete. Then gross factors and community futures play a significant role in increasing the life quality of the main actors. And organs can live or function properly without a blood vessel and nerve. Similarly, humans can live long without a, uh, water, air circulation, and electricity and telecommunication. That's why it is very challenging uh, to regenerate functional and complicated tissue like uh, heart, liver, and kidney. And if we see the 3D printing technology, so 3D printing is uh, one of the techniques to manufacture the 3D object using a layer-by-layer -layer process. So uh, it is called uh, additive manufacturing. And if we uh, see the, how the 3D printing contributes to tissue engineering is, some researchers print out the cell type A, cell type A uh, next to the cell type B. Then they found that the two different types of cells were fused and assembled. Even they formed a three-dimensional tissue-like structure. Then people start to think that if we could position the cells in the desired three-dimensional space, we could get the three-dimensional structure consisting of living cells. And if we find a way to culture that structure, we could get a tissue or organ. That is the idea of the 3D printing for the tissue engineering and regenerative medicine. So uh, the role of the 3D printing for the organ regeneration could be very similar to that of the crane on the construction site. Crane moves and uh, places the things that is needed in the building a structure, right? So as a mechanical engineer, my research journey for the tissue engineer last uh, past 15 years starts from the development of the 3D bioprinter, what I needed. The 3D printer have been developed by ourselves from design to assembly, software to hardware, so it has been commercialized since 2014. Since then, uh, we have updated every year up to 2018. So we can make a three-dimensional uh, printer on demand depending on the application we want. And this slide shows the, how the 3D printer looks like. It has X, Y, and Z axis robotic stage, stage system and has a multiple printing has 
This multiple printing has allowed us to print different types of biomaterial like a polymer, which is a thermoplastic, and hydrogel and very low viscous culture media, which two are can encapsulate uh, living cells. Uh, living cells. So we can uh, have the different types of the working plate uh, depending on the application. And the process is uh, fully automated and we adapt the parts which can keep the environment aseptic. So this is the uh, bioprinter we designed for the, for the use of the cell culture uh, available uh, GMP facility which was uh, already installed at the Seoul St. Mary Hospital in Korea for the purpose of the research to, re, uh, to print out the tracker tissue uh, for the clinical application. So using this kind of printer, it can be confirmed that the three-dimensional, very complicated structure can be manufactured as we, as we planned in advance using various biomaterial and different cell types into three-dimensional. So this is the one example of how the 3D printed scaffold looks like. So as you can see here, there are many pores and the pores are fully interconnected because it is produced by the layer by layer process. And that is consists of uh, this uh, this scaffold consists of the biodegradable polymer like a polycarboractone, and uh, we can uh, we tested in vitro test uh, using various cell types from mouse to a human, so the cell can adhere on the structure and can proliferate uh, around the structure. And we also performed the in vivo test for bone regeneration. The scaffold was designed, as you can see on the left-hand side. The porous scaffold was first printed out using a PCL, polycarboractone, and trication phosphate material. And every other pore was filled with extracellular matrix that can encapsulate the bone morphogenetic protein to gross factors. So image at the top of the right-hand side shows uh, shows the 3D printed scaffold uh, that contain a gross factors. And the bottom uh, graph at the bottom shows that the encapsulated BMP2 was a slowly released over the 28 days. So as a result, uh, in vivo, active bone regeneration, as you can see in CT and HN staining, Active bone regeneration was confirmed uh, in the groove of the scaffold consisting of extracellular matrix and gross factor in calvaria defect of RAS even in four weeks. Result was so dramatic and uh, it actually it led us uh, to make up our mind to commercialize the technology. So based on this scientific background, my PI professor Dongwu Cho and current CEO Dr. Yoon and I decided to found a company uh, named TNR Biofab to commercialize the technology we developed from the bench to the bedside. TNR Biofab stands for the Tissue Engineering and Regenerative Medicine uh, Biofabrication. Uh, so the, from the beginning, our business target was to commercialize the polymer scaffold extracellular matrix product 
and tissue organ printing. So let me briefly introduce the key numbers on Tiena Biofab. We established the company in 2013, and uh, 2014, we first applied our product to the patients. And 2018, the company has been listed in a stock, the Korean stock market. So now the company is a public uh, company. 2020, 22 is the 10th year of the company history. So we have 171 intellectual property rights, and we secured the 15 million US dollar the, for the grant from the government. And we have, a, uh, we have raised the fund 100 million US dollar so far, and we have 100 employees. And uh, as of now, the cost, uh, cap, cap market cap of the company in the stock market is a 300 million. So let me show you the, the product we are already commercialized on the market. First one is a 3D printed medical device. This product is called the scaffold. Uh, we successfully commercialized this scaffold uh, uh, at the first, and uh, this is categorized into the medical device. However, it is not the same as that I showed with previously. To simplify, the regulatory process, we just used a non-biological material like a polymer and inorganic ceramic. We just excluded the extracellular matrix and protein first. And this kind of the, uh, scaffolds are already on the market. And uh, if you see the numbers, uh, we have a 13 product on the market. And uh, we have uh, almost 60,000 patients who already uh, wearing our scaffold, and we published the 16 SCI clinical publications. So this is the scaffold we have. That we have different shaped scaffold products from the patient specific to the just a general mesh, which can be manufactured using a just a mass production method, just a mass producible. So let me show you the representative case uh, for the patient-specific implant. This patient was suffering from the sclerodermal disease, so that there were severe asymmetric depression on the left side of the face and skull of the patients. The patient wanted to reconstruct this asymmetric depression, so. Uh, we analyzed the patient's current condition using a CAD modeling technology and designed three different the patient-specific implant. This is the scaffold we print out. The, the scaphoid made of the polycarporactone and trication phosphate, which is a ceramic powder, uh, which helped to regenerate the bone. And the scaffold was designed to have a large size pore uh, to allow the surgeon to pack the various biomaterial into the scaffold to increase the possibility of the bone regeneration. So plastic surgeon collaborating uh, with us have begun to understand the technology better. So surgical technique have been improved a lot. So recently, the various clinically available biomaterial have been used with the scaffold. Indeed, uh, in this case, patient's autologous bone, artificial bone substitute, and BMP2 growth factor 
and uh, allogenic bone uh, uh, human dermoid matrix, and all relevant biomaterial have been mixed with uh, mixed and applied with the scaffold. The surgeon put the material into the scaffold, and scaffold plays just a player role as a framework to put together uh, in our body. So it was a very challenging case, but the result was very success successful. New bone formation was observed in the one month after the surgery. And if you see the another CT image, we can see something added at the defect site here, here, here. Uh, in a one month post-operative CT image, the CT image likely absorbed and detect the implant with the artificial bone and autologous uh, patient's own bone chip. It was very happy. Uh, we, we were very happy uh, with the result after one month, but we had to wait and see how, how this kind of things goes well. So clinical outcome after three years was better than we expected. The depressed facial contour have been augmented. Interestingly, we observed apparent bone regeneration at the, at the cranial part and new bone uh, looks to fuse well with the native bone at the cross-sectional view of the CT image. So uh, it was very successful, but uh, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we have almost 300 this kind of patient-specific implant cases in Korea. Uh, so, uh, and I bring one more interesting case to share with you. Actually, it has been done last month. So, a uh, colleague at the Wake Forest Institute for the Regenerative Medicine asked us to print out the patient-specific uh, implant for the American soldier who was uh, who wounded uh, from the Ukraine war. They sent uh, us uh, some patients' image and CT data. It was like that. As you can see here, there was a very significant defect at the right uh, side of the skull. I have no idea what happened to him, but somehow patient had a severe skull defect. Uh, and uh, despite the severe injury, he fortunately survived. The, the request that I re received was to manufacture the patient's specific implant as soon as possible, uh, followed by the career regulatory uh, process, and send them to the Ukraine. But uh, we couldn't find a way to send the, the things to the Ukraine directly, so we sent it to the Poland first, and uh, someone uh, carried uh, the material to the Ukraine. So uh, we designed like that, based on the patient's CT data, and this is the image. Uh, we confirmed that the 3D printed implant is well fitted to the skirt defect, and the implant was sterilized and delivered to the Poland first, and it has been delivered, finally delivered to the Ukraine. But I haven't received the result yet, so if I have another chance, I will share with you guys. So as you can see, the patient-specific cases are always very dramatic and exciting. However, 
It's true that uh, it is very difficult to secure the stable cash flow from this kind of the patient specific. So we, we, we try to find a way uh, to make it stable in terms of the, man, uh, in terms of the uh, business. So this kind of uh, project came out, uh, came to us from the B Brown. When the craniotomy is required to, to the various diseases such as a brain tumor, brain stroke, or the brain infarction, post-operative bone defect cannot be avoided like this. So the, this bone defect causes a soft tissue deformation resulting in an unsatisfactory appearance. So recently, patients who values and cares the quality of life after the surgery are sensitive to this kind of the outcome. Doctors uh, should consider less important brain treatment and aesthetic outcomes after the surgery. So the B Brown, our distributing partner, uh, came to us and asked to ask us to collaborate to overcome this unmetness after identifying the demands of the field. It was a very successful win-win project for both companies. We used the 3D printing technology and approved material to make this kind of the scaffold uh, what they wanted. Over a year, TNA Biofab completed every process from design to getting approval from the government, FDA, and the B Brown uh, generated additional sales through their sales network. And this case was an excellent example of the confirming that the possibility of the creating a stable cash by applying 3D printing technology, not only for the patient-specific, but also for the mass-producible material uh, product. And let's move to the second product we developed. And recently, we uh, launched the material on the market, which is an extracellular matrix-based uh, biosurgery product. Tissue in our bodies are composed of the cells and extracellular matrix. In other words, the extracellular matrix is a critical component other than the cells and is responsible for the physical structure of the tissues. In 2014, we first applied the decellularized extracellular matrix material to the bio ink of the bioprinter and published in Nature Communication. We found that the tissue-specific decellularized extracellular matrix was ideal for the bio material, bio ink material. So despite uh, the outstanding scientific outcomes, the bio ink itself was not enough to make uh, some uh, stable business opportunity. So one day, one idea came out. Why don't we apply our DCM material to wound healing ointment, which is relatively simple, and its market size is extensive and easy to approach the customers. So it was uh, actually a good idea. It worked. We applied the decellularized extracellular matrix, especially derived from the porcine aorta, the blood vessel. This VDECM consists of 40% of collagen and 60% of the elastin. So this material uh, helped help to have a dual function of the enhancing wound healing 
and scar tissue reduction, even though the amount of the ingredient is very little, 1 or 2% of the ointment. Last, uh, other 20, uh, 80, 98% of the material is already very well-known material. So it was launched in Korean market from last July. And we also tested some tests, the blood vessel, DECM, helped to induce the angiogenesis, resulting in a fast reapistellarization. So uh, it has a rapid wound healing and uh, reduced the scar regeneration. So actually, there's a one story behind this. When you go to the government office to get the approval uh, for the regulatory affair, uh, at that time, we did not emphasize that our product is very much innovative. Because to uh, claim it is just identical to the just product on the market. If we claim it is very innovative, very uh, rocket science, that time we have to prove that efficacy, that novelty using uh, tons of the documentation. So to avoid that situation, we just claim this is a very normal and it's not special. So uh, it was our strategy uh, when you get uh, approval. But uh, I think uh, it worked because uh, we could get the approval uh, less than one year. And we are currently establishing a commercialization strategy in the direction of the improving performance uh, by applying our proprietary material to the product already in the market, like a uh, ointment type of the wound healing product and acellular dermal matrix and uh, anti-adhesion uh, barrier, something. So this is the strategy we have. So uh, we can, as you can see in the, from the table, we, can, uh, we have a plan to launch the new product every year until 2025. So far, everything is on the right track. And let me introduce our third product, uh, third technology, cell therapy. So everybody knows what the IPS is, right? So from our uh, tissue, from the patients, uh, if you treat uh, with a special factor, we can make a pluripotent stem cell. And that pluripotent stem cell has a potential to make a recreate of any cell or body. So through the collaboration with the plastic surgery uh, in a university hospital, the patient tissue was obtained and skewered. And IPS cell line was established from the tissue. At that time, all document work, including patient consensus, was, uh, uh, was conducted according to the US FDA standards. And differentiation of the cardiomyocyte hepatocyte and vascular endocellular cell was successfully confirmed uh, using uh, our TNI IPS cell line. Uh, this slide shows the cardiomyocyte differentiated from the, our TNI biopsy IPS. Uh, at that time, the IPS was prepared using mRNA-based kit without a use of the viruses. Uh, rippling cells on the uh, surface of the curtain media indicate the differentiated cardiomyocyte having a nature of the beating. 
And uh, it was purified by our specific marker for the cardiomyocyte. After that, the patch containing a cell was uh, printed out using our printer. And then we directly attached the patch to the site of the myocardial infarction. However, open heart surgery is necessary and avoidable to apply this method. And we thought that uh, it would be the big hurdle for the commercialization. So we had to find another way. So more easily from the regulatory point of view, uh, a method of injecting only cells without a patch into the uh, myocardial infarction site using a cadaver uh, was tested. Uh, as you can see, this kind of the product, uh, catheter, already developed for the drug injection into the heart have been commercialized. So in this way, we made an aggregated cardiomyocyte whose size is about 100 uh, to make it easy to use in a catheter system. In animal test, effect of the improving cardio, infarction, uh, cardio function was higher in the aggregated cardiomyocyte application group than in the single cell application groups. So in particular, uh, immunostaining research revealed that the aggregated cardiomyocyte uh, contribute to the regeneration of the cardiac tissue uh, while stably uh, remaining in the body for the long time. So this is the, uh, our heart mini organ and bead, uh, which is a beating, right? So uh, I love to see this movie uh, all the time. And nowadays uh, we are trying to... Uh, we are trying to move to the large animal test using that uh, cardiomyocyte. So I will share with you the next uh, chance. And uh, using our bioprinting technology, we can create a three-dimensional cell structure, which has a very complicated and complicated and uh, small size structure like a liver. So as you can see in the picture, this. Uh, Printed structure indicate the liver structure, and this green part and red part of the structure uh, means the endocellular cell. And the size of the this spear and this structure is less than one millimeter. So as we planned and as we engineered, we can place the different cell types as we desired, as we wanted. So as you can see, this green part and blue part indicate the hepatic cells, and uh, this network type the cell looks uh, indicate the endocellular cells. Even in the case of the simple spear uh, mentioned above, different cells can be printed into the desired pattern, even inside of the spear curve aggregation. Looking at the result published in the cover paper, by localized, uh, localizing the vascular cell outside and inside uh, into the 3D shapes, the 3D, 3D uh, printed spear was transplanted into the, uh, into the body of the animal. 
At that time, we confirmed that the uh, cell did not die early due to the lack of the uh, blood vessels, and even the cell fused with the surrounding tissue while remaining in the body for a long time. It is believed that uh, uh, this will be a great advantage to the technologies that apply the 3D cell organoid as a cell therapy. Let me show you the conclusion of the presentation. Our TNA BioFab has its uh, technology on 3D printing, scaffold biomaterial, and stem cell. These technologies can be commercialized individually, but each, uh, but each can be connected to make uh, advanced, adva uh, advanced innovations. In addition, we kept pursuing a way to commercialize the technology in tissue engineering and regional medicine to make a value. So sooner or later, we hope to see our products sold in the U.S. market. Uh, we will continue to explore the opportunity to commercialize the style therapy technology as well. So all of this research uh, wouldn't, have, uh, wouldn't have been possible without our researchers' dedications. Uh, so we especially thanks uh, to the researcher, and we would like to also thank our uh, collaborating partners like B. Brown, L'Oreal, the Millipore Sigma, and Johnson and Johnson. Especially last April, the CEO uh, Joaquin Duato visited our uh, R&D center in Korea, uh, and he acknowledged our technology and the collaboration done with the Johnson and Johnson innovation team. So we were very proud of that. And we also thanks to the government grant and especially the investors who, uh, who have trust us. So without this kind of investment and the support from the government, uh, this kind of research cannot, become, cannot come out. And uh, this is the last page. I sincerely congratulate the Korean national soccer team on advancing to the World Cup uh, round of 16. It's been almost 12 years since we had our last. We hope you enjoyed uh, the rest of the World Cup game matches. Thank you very much for your patience and uh, attention. So if you have any questions, please uh, let me know. Thank you. And I see one question already. So bring the mic over here. Well, I was just curious as to what kind of, really what kind of effort you have to go through um, to have an, an uncontaminated deposition of everything. The Meaning how do you keep bacteria, viruses, fungus, mycoplasma out of your preparation? Yeah, so... Uh, uh, if you meaning of the the process in 3D printing, actually there is a, a special treatment uh, when you treat the biological material in 3D printing. For example, uh, the in the in the last page, uh, we equip the 3D printing housing uh, as a kind of the cell culture uh, cell culture bench type, the cell culture. Facility, so we set up the uh, we set up the some air circulation system, and uh, it has uh, some air filter system, and also it has a sterilization system like a 
having uh, some UV light uh, before we use. So that kind of things can make it uh, the, make it the environment clean and uh, keep the aseptic. Great. So we have a question that came on through Zoom, and it concerns vasculature. Is it likely that vasculature can be uh, sufficiently printed to satisfy the circulatory requirements of a complete printed organ? Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. Actually, the, when we uh, use just a cell uh, in the animal test, we usually uh, put the, just a target cell. But at that time, the, if we put the target cell into the body, the target cell cannot survive in our body long because uh, there is a circulation problem and especially the uh, circulation problem. That the circulation uh, can be a circulation problem can be overcome by the uh, some vascularization. That's why uh, we print out the vascularization relevant cells like uh, endocellular cell to make a vascularization to make a blood vessel uh, to uh, to make the target sets survive long. So that's the and even the if we use the three uh, D printer, we can print out the endocellular cell. Uh, where we want. So it means uh, if we need a vascularization at the center of the structure, we can, uh, we can print the cell at the, at the center. Or the, if you need a cell, uh, surround the cell, uh, surround the cells, that we can put the cell uh, that position. So we can control the position of the printing cell as we want. That's the power and that's the beauty of the 3D printer. So, but uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the things that we can overcome a current uh, uh, cell therapy uh, using a 3D bioprinter. That's the my. So I guess a follow-up to that is even if you put in vascular endothelial cells, where does the perfusion come from? Uh, yeah, so that uh, uh, that uh, uh, printed cell, cellular structure, the cellular uh, vascularized structure, can fuse with the uh, uh, native vascular. Okay. Yeah, so that's the way we connect the uh, artificial one to the native. Right, so that's very important. So if you do a transplant, um, it gets vascularized by the host, but then also if you have... Uh, artificial or synthetic printed vasculature, it also hooks up to that. Yeah, that's very cool. And addresses the, the organoid problem that... Yes, yeah. Right. Questions? Questions out in the audience? Thank you. Uh, it's just uh, about how uh, did you fit the tissues? How uh, you oxy oxygenate the tissues? Uh, um, and the other question, it is possible, for example, add uh, muscle to the bone. For example, when I, Im I can imagine uh, people who have an accident, uh, and they lost bone and they lost muscle. And for the surgeons, maybe it could be difficult uh, to take tissue from another part or or just to cover the, the defect. Is it possible? Uh, yeah. Let's see. The first question is a uh, oxygen problem of the tissue, right? Uh, fit. Fit? Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, actually the, the, maybe that question is connected to the previous questions. Yeah, so uh, without uh, oxygen, sub, uh, oxygen supply to the tissue, that t- tissue uh, can experience uh, some the hypoxic uh, situation. So that's why the three-dimensional constructs always need uh, some vascularization system. That's why we put the endocellular cell to uh, make it to help to uh, facilitate the vascularization system. So uh, that's the things that I can give you the first questions. And the second one is uh, uh, I I couldn't catch the detail uh, exactly, but uh, if you are meaning of the bone uh, surround the the connective tissue, right? So. Actually, the, when we have a defect uh, at the bone, there's sometimes a connective tissue like a muscle and skin can be damaged at the same time. But uh, actually, uh, at, at current, at current stage, current stage uh, never overcome the make a tissue at the same time. We just focus on the bone first, and the surrounding tissue like a muscle and skin can be just covered by the patient's own uh, tissue which is uh, obtained from the other part of the body. So that's the things that we are uh, doing in the field. The, the next question on, on Zoom actually probably uh, kind of is an elaboration of the question we just talked about. Very often when there are uh, injuries of a particular part of the body or even diseases, it involves more than just one cell type. So he gave an example of it's not just bone, it's muscle. Yeah. And we talked about vasculature. And certainly in complex organs like lung, heart, pancreas, brain, repairing requires not just one cell type, but yes, multiple. Right. Have you figured out way, the question is, have you figured out ways to print where there are multiple cell types integrated into that? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, so uh, we uh, kind of the... We have experience to make a skin and cartridge. Even the skin, skin consists of the multiple layer of these cells, the fibroblast, keratinocyte. So the, we print out the layer by layer process, uh, different cell type. Uh, like uh, first we print out the fibroblast and then the keratinocyte on the, on the top. So at that time, the, if we print a different cell type at a different position, was it more effective? to make a skin. And we have another example like a uh, chondrocyte. Chondrocyte, uh, also chondroid tissue, means uh, it consists of the bone and uh, superficial cartridge. At that time, we print out the different cell types like a bone cell at the bottom and the chondrocyte at the top. At that time, the we, uh, it was more effective to make uh, osteochondral tissue, which is uh, um, heterogeneous tissue. So that's the things that we can do uh, in the 3D printing, the layer by layer process in three-dimensional, localize a different cell type. So if you have any application, that kind of application, uh, it is a very good example to apply the 3D printing to the the 3D construct. Any questions out there? Okay, the, the next question on Zoom kind of follows up on that. 
and the, the questioner was interested in asking, do you think that your technology, the printing, is could actually create an organ, uh, create a, uh, a structure as complex as an alveolus, let's say, for the lung? Ah, uh, that's the most challenging part in lung, right? So uh, it has a very uh, complicated and uh, multiple cell types, like uh, and epithelials and the complex and uh, extracellular matrix. So that's why the, it is uh, it remains very challenged in the lung part. And uh, so I haven't tried uh, in a lung, but uh, I think uh, if we can find a way to collaborate, uh, I hope to experience that part as well. Okay. The next question concerns when you implant uh, these structures into, let's say, in a, in a, into an organism, a living organism, does that provoke any kind of inflammatory response? Good, good questions. Uh, inflammatory response, uh, there is an inflammatory response all the time, actually. So because uh, it is uh, mm, most of the surgery case have an inflammatory response, uh, the more or less. So I think uh, uh, we also experience when you implant the product into the patients, there was an inflammatory response. But uh, there was no immune rejection. So immune rejection and inflammatory response is a completely different, right? So uh, the polymer did not cause uh, any immune response, but uh, there was, uh, we can easily find, easily see the inflammatory response, but the inflammatory response can be uh, gradually resolved by any treatment of the medicine. So uh, it, wasn't, uh, it was not that big, deep, uh, big deal for the, application of the product. Uh, other, uh, other, uh, other groups using biomaterials, in, in fact, including ours, has found that the biomaterial alone will inhibit scarring, let's say, in the heart or the brain. Do, do you find that as well, that the very act of having that biomaterial there? Uh, yeah, so the biomaterial, uh, uh, yes, uh, some, sometimes uh, the, the body recognizes the biomaterial as a foreign material, so the, the body tends to encapsulate, the, uh, encapsulate and isolate the foreign material using uh, some capsulating tissue. So at that time, we can see the scar surrounding scaffold or sometimes so, but uh, it is not common, but uh, yeah, we have experience to see that kind of situation. All right, the next question kind of follows up on that. And it's, do you find that the scaffold alone, even without cells, if implanted, can have a therapeutic effect? Yeah, we did. We did. But that, uh, as, you, uh, as I mentioned in the previous uh, slide, uh, the scaffold itself uh, did not have a very, uh, how can I say, did not have a very dramatic outcome. Because... Uh, the polymer itself just a support as a mechanical supporter. So to invite a cell and native tissue into the scaffold, uh, we need more, something more. That 
could be the extracellular matrix or the patient's own cell. That's why surgeons try to use not only polymer scaffold, but also uh, available material like a patient-owned tissue or some commercially available material on the market. Any questions out there? Have, uh, have you continued, you started off your talk uh, indicating that you had engineered some of the biomaterials to secrete molecules, tro trophic factors. Have you continued that approach? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we nowadays, uh, uh, rather than a bioprinter, we, uh, we are trying to find a way to just use the molecule like uh, extracellular matrix and protein as a, just a pure protein. Yeah, so. I imagine you could also engineer it so that you do have a 3D organ, but you put key molecules on the end that are there forever that can attract cells or organize cells. Is mm. that feasible? Is uh, it's quite new for me, actually. <laughs> yeah, so. It'll yeah. be product number four. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, another question came in. It, it concerns the cardiac work. Um, uh, Chuck Merry, yeah. he's not the one asking the question, but there, it's relevant to Chuck Merry's work. I'm sure you know about it up in yeah. Seattle, found that when cardiomyocytes are implanted, they create an arrhythmia. Mm. And he's spent a lot of work trying to figure out how to mm. make cardiomyocytes that are not arrhythmogenic. Have you found this problem, or how do you approach this? Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, that problem... Uh, happen in the current stem cell approach in the cardiac part. Yeah, so it is true. So, but uh, one of the group, uh, which is an advancing group in Japan, the heart seed group, the, who could, uh, I, I forgot the name, the researcher, but uh, maybe Fukuda, they published the cardio, uh, IPS-derived cardiomyocyte approach to the monkey. At that time, at the, at the early stage, they found some arrhythmia. However, after that, uh, that, that um, bit, uh, how can I say, unharmonized beating was uh, synchronized as time goes by. Yeah, so I don't know what happened, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but because uh, the amount of the injecting cell is not major part, so I think uh, that could be synchronized somehow. In fact, Chuck gave one of these sessions about a year ago and went into all of those details. Uh, I think we've reached uh, the end of our questions coming in on Zoom. Uh, I guess my only last question is, did you bring your machine with you up in Allison's lab that we can all use? I wanted. I wished. But, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, quite big, actually. Yeah. So We can make room. Jake, no, we can't. Jake's there. We actually can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm here to find the uh, good chance to collaborate. So uh, I, love to, I love to see that uh, moment uh, my printer is here. So I will figure out with a lot of the people here. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, work, we'll work on space for it. Yeah. So. 
So we experienced to uh, set up the, our printer in the Georgia Tech, the, the Dr. Doctor Scott Hollister's uh, lab, uh-huh. uh, who is expert in a bioprinter. So uh, he he adapted our printer, and we experienced to set up the, our printer. We just uh, delivered the printer, large size printer, to the uh, Georgia Tech. So yes, it's actually absolutely possible. Great, great. And with that, thank you, thank you. Uh, Jin, and thanks everybody for attending, whether uh, here in the auditorium or around the world zooming in. Have a safe and happy holiday season, and we'll see you in 2023 for what will be the 20th anniversary of the Southern California Stem Cell Consortium.